The teachings of General Conference are the considerations the Lord would have before us now and in the months ahead. Our marching orders for each six months are found in the General Conference addresses. For the next six months, your conference edition of the Ensign should stand next to your standard works and be referred to frequently. I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I exhort you to study the messages of this conference frequently, even repeatedly, during the next six months. You're listening to the Conference Talk Podcast, where it's conference weekend every weekend. Each weekend, we discuss talks from the most recent General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's right. We share some insights, we make some connections, and hopefully have a bit of fun as we study the words of the men and women God has called to direct His Church in these the latter days. I'm Whitney Stortz. And I'm Melissa Fugaza, and this is episode 19, where we talk about Elder Gong's address, Trust Again. So first I want to introduce my co-host. This is Whitney. She, um, she and I have been on the BYU Pathways journey for the past three semesters. We both have been um, in our our gathering group. If you're familiar with BYU Pathways, it's a virtual um, school. Like, how would we how would we describe Pathways, Whitney? What do you think? <laughs> I honestly think it's for me personally. Think it's for adults who have put their schooling off and have forgotten everything they've ever learned, and they've put this cool program together to teach us everything we need to know to move on to college. Yes. Perfect summary. That's exactly it. So we have several people in our group, but Whitney and I have been in this group from the beginning, and we are almost done. We only have four weeks left. So we, in this podcast, wanted to interview people, um, co-host podcast episodes together to talk about conference talks with our people, our friends, our family members, relatives. And so I just really wanted Whitney to come on here. So Whitney, could you briefly introduce yourself? Um, so I am a mom of six kids and we're a blended family. Um, like Melissa said, I am in the pathways program, finishing it up, which it's kind of sad because that means our gatherings on Thursday will no longer happen. I work for the County, uh, circuit clerk's office as a criminal deputy clerk, which means I go to court and listen to the judge and the defendants and the lawyers. So it's kind of interesting. Wow. Thank you so much for coming. This is going to be so cool to hear your side and takes on this talk. So um, this is, as we mentioned, this is a talk from Elder Gong, Elder Garrett Gong from this last conference. It's called Trust Again. Um, And he says at the beginning of his talk that his message is about whether we are coming home or going home, God is coming to meet us. And so he goes on. There's so many amazing things with this talk. I just, I, I printed it off and I read through it and I highlighted. It's so funny. I think I'm only going to highlight a few things in a talk, a few important things. And then I end up highlighting like almost the whole talk. And so then it becomes just like a lot of bright yellow spots. But um, what was your first impression with this talk? What jumped out at you right away when you read it? or? listen to it again. I think, I think it's like the second paragraph down when he says, have you ever felt like you're running from home? Often running from homes means trust has been frayed or broken 
trust with ourselves, with each other, with God. When trust is challenged, we wonder how to trust again. And I really feel like that statement right there has explained a huge chunk of my life and a lot of the challenges and trials that I've gone through in which I've had a lot of um, challenges in which trust has been snapped. I mean, frayed is not even a word. It's been completely broken. And so I remember listening to this conference talk at the last general conference and being like, yes, yes, you're talking to me. <laughs> and I remember this paragraph in particular because it it really hit home. I love this talk too. I, I'll admit I had to listen to it and read it a couple of times after he gave it originally um, because I felt like there was, he was just saying so much in this brief talk. Um, sometimes I listen to a talk or read a talk and I'm like, oh, I know exactly what he's talking about or she's talking about and I'm following it and I'm grasping the concepts. But I felt like this was a really deep talk. And I feel like also it was a talk that is meant specifically, as it always is, for us right now um, as individuals and collectively as a whole. And so one thing he said that I really liked is he says, trust is an act of faith. And I never, I don't know why, but I just never thought of it that way. Um, And then he goes on to say, God keeps faith with us. So God always, in that way, to me, that's saying God always trusts in us. And I had an experience. Well, he believes in us too. Yeah. Like he believes in us. Even when we don't believe in us, he believes in us. Yeah. And that makes it so amazing because I, I know you and I, everyone in the world, obviously sometimes don't feel worthy of the love and the forgiveness and the grace that God gives us. But yet every single thing, every scripture, every talk, every whatever always points to God, always, always, always loving us and always being there for us. It's us that walks away. It's us that turns away. It's us that breaks the relationship, so to speak. So when I read that, that trust is an act of faith and God keeps faith with us, I, it reminded me of this experience I had, um, and I was in the temple, and I was praying and, and reflecting, and I remember I was committing to Heavenly Father, okay, I trust in you. I'm, I'm learning to trust in you, um, and it's hard. You know, it's so hard, and I remember distinctly receiving an impression saying, I know that you want to trust in me. I do trust in you. And in a non-chastising way, I want to emphasize that a lot. It was a very loving, loving way. He said, now show me that you do trust in me. Um, and it wasn't a challenge. It wasn't any of that. It was a loving invitation of, okay, you're saying that you trust in me. Now let's you show me that you do trust in me. And I walked away from that thinking, okay, now I need to practice what I preach. I need to do what I say I'm going to do. So did anything else jump out at you about that part or any other thoughts about trust and faith? Well, it was really interesting that he doesn't just say, you know, when trust is broken, but he goes on to talk about several different situations 
in which trust can be broken. And I think that really hits home. Like it brings it home. He says, when a friend or business associate or someone we trust isn't truthful or hurts us or a marriage partner is unfaithful or perhaps unexpectedly someone we love confronts death, injury, or illness. And we we face an unanticipated gospel question where we, we question our own faith. And I love how he, he doesn't just stop there. He goes on and says, perhaps we don't see ourselves in the church. Perhaps we don't feel like we fit. And then the last one, which I think is so many of us have this trial. And it is, or though we've done everything expected, things have yet to work out. Yeah, I, I highlighted like a that lot big of time. Our trials, a lot of our trials in life are... I mean, at least for me, I've had to go through a lot of self-realization and mindful thought process, and we won't get into all of that. But <laughs> um, I I grew up and for some reason got it into my mind that the harder I worked, the faster I worked, the better I was, the better my blessings were. And so as I became an adult and I kept going through these trials after trials after trials after trials, and... I kept thinking it was me. Like, where am I missing? What am I messing up? Where, like, what's the next step? Okay, Heavenly Father, just tell me where to fix it. I'll fix my behavior, whatever I need to do, just so this will stop. And so it was a lot of me on me trying to be perfect. And it's taken me a long time to realize I could have, and I probably am doing everything he needs me to do but the timing is just not yet. And that's hard. That is like hands down the hardest thing for me too. (laughs) That is so hard for me to be like, exactly like what you said. I'm doing everything I should. I should be rewarded immediately. I should see immediate results for what it is that I am doing. And it just doesn't happen like that. And finally, I had a revelation a few years ago And I'm one of these people, I guess there's a term for this even, I heard this on another podcast where uh, when you start talking out things, sometimes you have these revelations as you're speaking and talking. That sounds really crazy, but I get those all of the time, all of the time. And so I was in the middle of talking to my mom about something and this came out of my mouth and I was like, okay, I am not that smart. That came from somewhere. I don't know why, but I said to her, we were talking about a family member and why it just didn't seem like, even though this family member is doing good things and is a good person, why certain things were not happening for this person. And it came out of my mouth. It was like, you know, Heavenly Father has a lot of moving parts going on. He's got an entire world. He's got all of his children. He's got everything going on here. Sometimes all those moving parts just need to have their time to fit where they need to go. It's not Heavenly Father saying, okay, honey, just wait like five years and it'll happen. He's saying, I have other things in store with my other children as well. It's not all just about you. And so therefore you need to just wait so that all these things can come together and fit for everyone's benefit and not just you. And I had that, I said that out loud to my mom and I was like, where did that come from? But it just felt so true after that. 
that I was like, oh my gosh, that is a really smart thing to say. That is not me. That is the spirit. And that's amazing. Well, that's a very beautiful way to think about it because I mean, one of the hardest trials, at least for me, and I think for a lot of people are patience, right? Patience is, is the one trial nobody prays for because we know that the Lord will give us a trial of patience and nobody wants it. Yes. That's the one prayer you, you, you do once and that's, you learn, (laughs) you learn to not do it again. (laughs) So, I mean, God's timing is an example. Um, My first husband and I, it took us two and a half years to get pregnant. And it was at the time devastating. It was so devastating because all I wanted to do was be a mom. That was it. That's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to do anything else, which sounds kind of weird now that I'm, you know, 43 and have children. But at the time I was, I was young and all I wanted to do was be a mom. And, and uh, so we had gone to the doctor and we had been told not going to happen for you. It's just not, it's not going to happen. And I was devastated. I was devastated. I mean, it, it broke my heart because that's all I ever wanted was to be a mom. And I remember um, getting blessing after blessing, after blessing, after blessing, like trying to find answers, trying to find why, what did I do wrong? Like, what choice did I make wrong? You know, just trying to make sense of not having this happen. And I remember um, my ex-husband's grandfather passed away and my grandfather passed away within the same year. And it became a family joke because two and a half years after that, I got pregnant with twins. And I'm grateful because when I got pregnant, I was older. I was, you know, able to handle it better. But we used to joke as a family that the grandfathers fought over who would come first and (laughs) Heavenly Father stepped in and sent both. So, but during that trial, Heavenly Father's timing was just making me more mad. And I had a friend who came to me after we found out that it may never happen for us. And she looked me in the eye and she gave me some of the best advice I could have ever gotten. And I think this is where we trip up sometimes is she said, be mad, be mad. You have one week to be mad, just be mad, throw things, scream, kick things, do whatever you've got to do to be mad. And she goes, but one week, you've only got one, one week and you need to let go. And 24 hours, it only took me 24 hours, but it was giving me that permission to be mad. And it helped me to to start trusting Heavenly Father again. Does that make sense? Yes. Because I feel like sometimes our emotions get in the way of our trust. Yes. And I love how you brought that up because I had a similar experience. Um, Amazingly enough, I don't remember what it is now that was making me so upset. But I realized that you, it's okay. It's totally okay to be mad and have feelings towards God that you would have towards a human being because it's a real relationship. God is a real person. And so I remember I had an experience where I was really mad. I was really upset that something wasn't working out that I really wanted and I felt like I deserved and I felt like he was ignoring me or leaving me out. And I 
said an angry prayer and it was really weird, but I did. I was so mad at him and I just let it out and I felt so much better after and I felt even more peaceful and I felt prompted. I felt the spirit saying to me, I would rather you talk to me in any way than not talk to me at all. And I think there's something so powerful in that because for some reason, and I I don't know if it's a cultural thing or what, we are always, you know, we're taught to treat Heavenly Father with reverence and, you know, we're, we're taught how to say a prayer with reverence and I am not negating that at all. We should be reverent. But sometimes I think we're doing ourselves a disservice because we think we can't communicate with God when we are feeling any emotion different than happiness and peace and joy and goodwill. Those are the times that we should be praying more often. Um, And so I love Elder Gong. I just love what he's saying that, um, again, trust is an act of faith. We need to include Heavenly Father in these moments. We need to be okay. Feelings are totally normal. It's totally normal to be angry and upset and impatient if it wasn't there wouldn't be a need for repentance. There wouldn't be a need for Jesus Christ and the atonement. Like these things are all needed um, because what we feel in this mortal body is normal. So I love how you brought that up, that it is okay to be mad. It is okay to be upset that things aren't working out. But as Elder Gong is saying in this talk, we need to learn how to get to that point where we can trust again. Well, I love how he says, as we reflect on trust, we know God, is a God of truth and cannot slide. We know truth is a knowledge of things as they are, were, and are to come. We know continuing revelation and inspiration fit unchanging truth to changing circumstances. There was a sacrament talk probably a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, and I might have mentioned this in our group, but in which he said, um, focus on what you know and leave the rest to God. And this paragraph is like, that whole paragraph is that statement, focus on what you know and leave the rest to God. And it hit me so hard because it's like, okay, I know Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father live. I know the Book of Mormon is true. And I started listing what I know. And what I don't know is more of the changing circumstances, the future, the what's going to come next, the the how's this going to work out circumstances. And when we, when we go back to the basics and focus on what we know and leave the rest to Heavenly Father, the peace that comes from that, it just, it's inexplainable. Yeah, I agree with that. I really like that. I was over, I was down in Georgia last weekend for the Time Out for Women in Atlanta, and it was so good. Um, and there were so many really, the focus or the the theme was about light and being light and, and finding light and searching for light. And one thing that um, one of the speakers talked about is she said, we really only can focus on today. You know, there's, there's no point in going into the past. There's no point in going into the future. We really can only have today um, because we can't control anything other than that. Um, and so it's pretty amazing when you think about that, because like what you said, 
I, as you were listing off things that you know, I also know those things. And I'm also like you where it's like, how is this going to happen? How is this going to work? And um, my mind goes a million miles an hour trying to figure out all the logistics of something that might never even happen or um, it's just not meant to happen or whatever. Um, but how, how can we trust God um, in the, in the moment, in the day when not knowing, you know, what's going to happen in the future and based on our past that we have to let go, it's kind of finding that sweet spot in the middle. Um, and so you're right. I love that Elder Gong talks about that. We need to, we just need to know that continuing revelation and inspiration fit unchanging truth to changing circumstances. And I think that's so cool. Like I said, I, f- I really felt like this talk was just so much deeper than what I thought it would be when I first read it. Um, the other thing uh, I love about this talk is he shares a story about a young couple that got called to work in the nursery. And I relate to this because my husband and I got called to work in the nursery when our second ch- child was in the nursery. And it was awesome. Although... I have to give a shout out to all nursery workers who worked in the nursery at any time when we were doing three hour church. That is not for the faint of heart, especially if you have like afternoon nap time church, you know, when kids are supposed to be sleeping, that is, it is a nightmare. Nothing solves anything when you're in there. I mean, fruit snacks don't work, nothing. It's crazy. So Shout out to all those people for surviving that because that I was one of those people and it was crazy. When church changed to two hours and I was like, oh my gosh, you only have to be in nursery for one hour? That is a piece of cake. I can totally do that. I haven't been in the nursery yet, but it it's going to be so much easier. But anyway, going back to the story. So this bishop um, calls this young couple to serve in the nursery And at first, the husband is like totally not into it. He's sitting in the corner. He's detached. He's distant. But then gradually, the children, he warms up to the kids. He smiles and and he just starts to interact with them and play with them. And later it says the couple expressed gratitude to the bishopric because they said earlier, the wife had wanted children. The husband did not want children. But because of this, this is the part I highlighted, now serving has changed and united them. Um, And so what happened is because of that calling, because of that experience, it brought joy of children into their marriage and home. The thing that I like to point out about this story is serving changed and united them. And I think that's a huge gem of what trust in God is, is through serving. Because by serving... You just, you, that, that relationship of trust comes in stronger. Well, and you have to get outside of yourself. I feel like sometimes we get stuck in a circle of, you know, sometimes in life we get hit by one wave and another wave and another wave and another wave. And, and we're not even, I mean, we're barely even giving, coming back up to the surface to get a breath when another trial smacks us in the face. And we go into kind of this survival mode. Like we, we hunker down, we focus on us or we focus on our family and we just kind of like try to plow through these waves and that's okay. But when we, and sometimes it's, it's an honest to goodness effort. We have to push ourselves 
out. And when the tornadoes came through our area, I live really close to Mayfield, Kentucky. We, we live about 30 minutes north. And the tornado actually went within about a half a mile of two of my kids and about a mile south of two more of my kids. And it was terrifying as a mom because they weren't home with me. <laughs> and our family has gone through a, a lot of trials within the last couple of years. And, and it has been just like, it feels like these tsunami of waves just keep hitting and hitting and hitting. And we keep treading to the surface and we keep getting knocked down. And that Sunday, my husband and I were like, we got to go help. We have to go help. We have to go. And so um, we heard on the radio that this one area was letting people in because most areas were not. The National Guard had shut the towns down because the de- devastation was so horrific and they didn't know, you know, what they were finding, basically. That sounds horrible, but it is what it is. And we went to this town and a, um, a judge comes up and he says, we have to redo all of our plans because so many people showed up to help. And he's like, we have to redraw all of our service lines. We have to redo all of our groups because we have more people here that we can stretch farther. And what our my family was able to do is we were sent to a home to help an older lady unload her furniture. But what it did during that time is my family and I were able to forget just for a moment all the trials we were going through, our worries, our stresses, all of that. We were able to put that away on a shelf for just a little while and serve these other people had lost everything, lost everything and see them through that dark time. And what, what was really cool, what ended up being really cool is the house that we were serving was actually my son's assistant soccer coach's grandma's house. We didn't know that when we showed up, but we ran into each other as we were working. So it was kind of a cool little meeting, but, um, but for that, for those, you know, four or five hours, my family was able to put our worries, our stresses on the shelf. Our kids didn't bicker. They didn't fight. They were very humble at a, you know, at the end of all of it. And it was such a moment of peace amongst all of this devastation and all of the hurt that had been caused through these tornadoes. And, but the most amazing thing that came out of that was everybody's words were, it could have been so much worse, but God's hand was in it all. And you heard it time and time and time again, it could have been so much worse, but God's hand was in it all. And when I reflected back on that, it reassured me that there's more people in this world that do trust God and have faith in God than what we're seeing and what we're being told. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. I remember you're telling us about that in one of our gathering meetings and it's got to be so hard to see the devastation, but you're right. I love how those people, there was so much faith there, even though they're in the middle of this very obvious, um, situation, a disastrous situation, really. And to be able to see God's hand in that and to feel gratitude, that is amazing. That shows to me, that shows these people do trust in their God, even in these horrible, horrible times. And that's so cool. Thank you for sharing that part. Um, I love another section in the talk about a man who said he survived cancer and then he was hit by a car, which I'm like, this poor man, 
does not get a break. Oh, it's so sad. But it said, instead of feeling sorry for himself, he prayerfully asks, what can I learn from this experience? And I love, he, so he's in the ICU as he's praying this, and he, and he prompts, he feels prompted to notice a nurse who's worried for her husband and children. And he, like, helps her. He helps his nurse when he's a patient in the ICU because he had the thought to ask, what can I learn from this experience? I'm trying to think back on a time where I had that mental clarity where I'm in the middle of something hard. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I actually, I, I remember doing that once, but I was really scared. <laughs> I was really scared to ask, okay, what should I be learning from this experience? Because I was really scared to learn the answer. But it shows so much trust in God when we are in a very vulnerable position when things are really crappy and really hard and we're think we're saying lord what what can i learn from this well and i think sometimes it's not even that phrase it's the when he gives us a prompting even in the midst of the darkness and we still do it that's trust and i think i remember praying in a very very dark time and saying to heavenly father i've lost all faith I've lost all hope. I've lost all faith. I've lost everything. Everything in my world is completely shattered. And I I just felt this gentle prompting, but you're still praying. Aww. That takes faith. And it was such a tender, tender moment to me that even when, I mean, I haven't gotten to that dark time again, but even when I'm struggling or I'm like, I'm not going to pray because I'm just too tired and I'm mad. <laughs> you know, like you just, yeah. you just don't want to. Yeah. I remember those words, but you're still praying. And it reassures me that prayer takes faith. Prayer takes trust. And sometimes when life is that hard, that's all we can give. That's all we can remotely exercise is prayer. And I think a lot of times when we think about trust and, and faith, we think of these big, huge gestures, right? Like we, we think of these massive acts we have to do. But sometimes showing that trust and faith is literally praying or following a prompting. And it's doing something. Usually it's a, something a little at a time or I feel like. And line it's, upon line. Precept yes. Yes. And we are always the ones like I always have to remind myself. I had this bishop that said to me, every time I'm trying to understand an infinite concept and it's hard for me because it's so vast and so huge, I have to think of it in a finite way, like br break it down into a smaller thing. And so I often do that because I am not the most intelligent person in the world, right? So um, when I'm thinking about this kind of thing, it, I, I think back, I think to when I had, my daughters were really, really, really little, okay? And they couldn't do a whole lot. They were very limited physically, but they would do something. They would make an effort to do something, and I would be so proud of them and so elated oh my goodness, you didn't fall off your chair, you climbed down or whatever it was. And it was a big deal to them, a way bigger deal to them than it was to me. Cause I knew, you know, okay, eventually this is not going to, you know, you're going to sit in a chair and it's going to be like no big deal. 
But that is making an infinite situation finite. It is thinking, okay, Heavenly Father is me in that situation. Every little effort that we make, we are like infants in his eyes. We are like little tiny children in his eyes. And we make a good effort. And he makes a really big deal about that. He's like, yes, good work. That's awesome. Um, But it's a little step in the right direction. And I think we, like little children, very often get really upset and frustrated that we can't be doing more. We can't be doing more because we're not big enough. We're not strong enough. We're not whatever. But as adults especially, and I I 100% believe this is why the Lord has taught us to become as a little child is because now that we are in adult bodies and we're doing bigger things, we think we can handle lots more than we really can. And we are constantly humbled, you know, with situations because heavenly father again is like, honey, you're little, you're still little spiritually in a good way. You still have so much you need to learn and to do to grow. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't try to bite off more than you can chew. And you're getting overwhelmed. And so I like how it, we're we're bringing it back to like prayer, being like, at least you're still praying. You're doing the little things. The little things are the most important things. Reading your scriptures, saying your prayers, communicating with Heavenly Father is a big deal. That is a big deal. Um, sacrificing to go to church every Sunday, at least in my, in my church, my church is at eight 30 in the morning. People, that is a big deal. It is. <laughs> and it's a 20 minute drive away from our house. I mean, me getting up is a big deal. Getting my kids up is a big deal. Trust me. It is a big deal going to church every Sunday for our family right now. Um, I think sometimes, I mean, without getting too built up in our own minds and, you know, congratulating ourselves too much, we do at least need to acknowledge that we are doing very important, valid things to build trust in Heavenly Father. But sometimes we just see them as insignificant. They're not a big deal. And therefore, they're probably not important. But they are. They're very important to Heavenly Father. They're like the most important things. So I went on a tangent. So in a... (laughs) That's okay. Totally get tangents. I'm all about them. Ask my children. They know. Um, I do remember in a blessing receiving, and I think I've received this in a blessing many times, which means I should probably listen. But I've been told that if it's important to me, it's important to him. And that means the littlest, smallest things. And I'm like, this is so dumb. This is so dumb. Like, I wouldn't even ask my mom this question. This is how dumb this question is. But every time I exhibit that trust and exhibit that faith and make that prayer of, even though I think it's literally not worth his time, he answers in some way. And it's usually something small. Or I remember um, I asked something and it almost felt like he was laughing and not laughing at me. But laughing because I was so worked up about it. Like, (laughs) it's okay. You're good type thing. And I think that when it, like, we keep coming back to the talk. And I love in the talk how he hits so many different points of trust. So he talks about us trusting God and then trusting revelation. But then he goes on to talk about trusting others who have broken the trust. And I think that is such a vital, important thing because we're told to forgive, right? 
Like that's a big thing. We need to forgive. And when I was younger, I always thought forgiveness was for the other person. People, it's not. It forgiveness is not for them at all. Forgiveness is for you 100% because when you can forgive, you can move on. And it's really important we learn that. But he goes on to say, you may never trust that person again. And that is okay. It's okay. But he quotes President Russell M. Nelson and he says, you do not have to wonder whom you can safely trust. And he goes, we can always trust God. The Lord knows us better and loves us more than we know or love ourselves. His infinite love and perfect knowledge of past, present, and future make his covenants and promises constant and sure. I love that. I had that, again, I had that part highlighted as well. Um, I love also one of the biggest things I took away from this talk is he goes on to say he's talking about repentance and confessing and forsaking our sins. Um, and then he, obviously we know that it says the Lord says he remembers them no more. And then he says this part and it just like, it completely changed how I have seen heavenly father's nature. It says it is not that he forgets our sins rather in a remarkable way. It seems he chooses not to remember them, nor need we. I love that. To me, that shows this true character and nature of God is he chooses not to remember those things about us. He chooses to only see who we have become. He chooses to only see who we will be. Not what we did last Tuesday. Let's sit on that for a while. Um, But he chooses that and that's, and then we have to make that bigger because at some point that should hopefully at some point be us with how we perceive or how we choose to see other people. We, can we choose, can I, Melissa, choose to forget what someone else did to me so that I can move forward? It doesn't negate the situation. It's exactly what you talked about. Forgiveness is not about the person who did the wrong forgiveness is about the victim, the person who has to take that in. And let's be honest, we carry it. We carry it with us so much and it becomes, it really starts to affect who we are. But in this, we can choose to forget as in, I deliberately will no longer, this is just not part of my energy anymore. It's just not, I'm moving on. I'm cutting myself free from this. I am moving forward. Um, Of course, the Lord's perfect, so he's better at it than we are. But it's so cool that we can, we have that, that inspiration that that could be us in the future, you know, as we work towards that, that we can do that. And that brings me a lot of hope. Well, I remember when I was going through a really, really dark time and this particular phrase um, that he says in his talk brought this back to memory. And I'll, I'll say the phrase and then I'll explain why it, it hits uh, hit home, but it says, trust God's inspiration to discern wisely. We can forgive others in the right time and way as the Lord says we must while being as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I went through a really, really, really dark time to the point that my faith was shaken to the core. I didn't want to go to church. The only thing that was keeping me in church was my children 
to be completely honest um, and raw, I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to read my scriptures. I didn't want to have anything to do with the priesthood. I had gotten to a point where I was done. I felt like my trust in Heavenly Father was broken. I felt like everything was broken and just like glass on the floor just shattered. And I couldn't see any pieces. Like it, it, it was like it was crumbs. It wasn't even just pieces of glass anymore. It was like somebody had just ground it down to nothing. And I remember getting a blessing. And in the blessing, he told me that forgiveness will be given to you as a gift. And I remember thinking at the time going, what does that mean? Like, I'm in this dark place, right? And forgiveness is the last thing on my mind, except a part of me wanted to forgive because I knew if I could forgive, I could move on and I have this life and da da da. And I realized that my trial was not over. And it's still not over to this day. That's still going on. And it's been seven years now. But he has given me these gifts of when it, you know, it doesn't mean that I haven't done some work toward forgiveness. Don't get me wrong. But he's given me the ability that he's taken some of that heartache away, that forgiveness in certain situations or certain um, moments of that dark trial have no longer, they no longer pierce my heart. And I'm telling you, that's not because everything I did. That's because of that gift of forgiveness. And he continues to give that to me because this trial is still going on for so long. And like I said, at that time that I got that blessing, it made no sense to me. But Heavenly Father knew it was going to take more than I could do to forgive. It was going to take divine inspiration. And he had faith in me, even though at that time I was telling him, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. You've hurt me. I want to run away. He had faith in me when I didn't have faith in him. I didn't have faith in myself or anyone else. He still knew I would pull through and he was going to give me a blessing for doing it because he could see that I was going to continue on the path and rebuild that trust. Has it taken a lot of work? Yes. Is it sometimes a daily battle? Yes. But He had faith in me to make it happen when I didn't have faith in me. And I think sometimes, kind of like Elder Gong talks about, don't forget, he trusts us. He has faith in us. He's got this. Even when we don't, or we don't understand, he does. And he'll continue to trust us. Even when we make mistakes, he's sitting there going, that's okay. I still trust you. You can do this. And that's beautiful. That. That kind of love is something I wish I could emulate, but I'm really, 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 really human. So I'm not really great at that. <laughs> I I think a lot of us can agree with you that we're the same. So um, I there's one final thing that I loved about the talk that I want to bring up. And then I just want to hear anything else that you want to say about your insights from this. There is a quote that Elder Gong shares. It's from President J. Reuben Clark. And I just, I love this quote so much. This really jumped out at me. And President Clark said, I believe that our Heavenly Father wants to save every one of his children. That in his justice and mercy, he will give us the maximum reward for our acts. Give us all that he can give 
And in the reverse, I believe that he will impose upon us the minimum penalty which is possible for him to impose. That's just so beautiful to me because let's be honest, we feel when we go through hard things, we feel like we are being acted upon in like the worst possible way. This is so hard. Why are you being so hard on me? Or, you know, I have a, a daughter who, you know, she's she's a tween. And so the mm. go-to, the go-to is you're being so hard on me or like blaming her sister for stuff or, you know, it's just all this like deflecting and things. And like, we're such horrible parents, you know, and whatever. Um, because we won't let her play her Kindle for one day, you know? So, but I know I'm a horrible parent anyway. Um, (laughs) but I'm just thinking I've got, I've got a house full of teenagers right now. And I'm like, man, if, if she's mad at you about the Kindle, you should send her to my house. Like, I mean, my kids hate me every day. So, Well, I'm glad I'm in like company. Um, but I think about that when she, when we, you know, like poor thing, I'm bringing her up in this podcast. I won't name her name though. Of course, I only have two kids. But it's just sad because, you know, she sees it as this big unfair thing. And we, again, going back to making everything kind of finite and smaller and realistic is I know that I am that same way with Heavenly Father. When something happens, I'm just not okay with, this was not cool. This is a trial. This is a challenge. This is um, a consequence of somebody's actions. I'm really upset that this is such a big deal for me. Um, But he gives me the minimum penalty the minimum penalty because he loves me. To me, it seems like a maximum penalty to him. He's like, this is really, really mild. Like this is just to teach you. This is a teaching experience, Melissa. Well, he doesn't talk like that. I, I just got a little excited about that for a second. (laughs) He more talks like darling, dear daughter, this is a teaching, you know, like how you would talk to a little child, honestly, just so loving And we're the ones that just make it harsh. We're the ones that make it, you know, harder. And so, yeah, I love that quote because it taught me, okay, I can trust in the Lord. The Lord is with me. He has me in the palms of his hands. He is with me all the time. He is the God of this universe. Okay. So he can pretty much do anything. I'm sure I can trust in that, you know? Um, but anyway, that's me babbling on. But what other further things would you like to share, Whitney, before we wrap it up? Well, I just, a couple of like um, scripture stories comes to mind, right? So like the trust Moses had to have, he didn't believe in himself really, right? He didn't think he was good enough to teach the people or anything. But yet he trusts Heavenly Father enough that he led people to a giant sea. And he trusts Heavenly Father enough to know that Heavenly Father was going to get them out of this situation where, you know, they're being chased by an army and there's a giant sea and they have nowhere to go. And yet the Lord tells him, put your staff here. And Moses doesn't go, hold on, wait a second. What's that going to do? I mean, really? Come on. What are you going to do with my staff in the water? Right? Because I mean, I kind of feel like I'm that way, but he just does it. And you know, you know, and, And there's so many examples of that in the scriptures of, you know, 
we see them as these large prophets, right? Moses and Abraham and, and Joseph and all of these prophets. But when you go back and read their stories, they kind of hate on themselves a little bit, right? But they trust in the Lord. And there's even been times within the scriptures in which they've come back to the Lord and said, now, wait a second, how's this going to work? And in those moments, it makes me think of Job. We know Job as this amazing spiritual man. Like he was perfect. He did everything right. And he had a wonderful life because he was blessed for that. And so then, you know, Satan's allowed to kind of punish him. And the Lord's like, you know what? He's never going to say ever that I'm not there for him. And so, you know, we hear this story and he goes through all of these trials and comes out better, right? But if you read the book of Job, there's a point that Job says, that's it. I've done everything you've asked. I've done everything you've wanted. I've done everything and I'm being punished. And one of Job's friends, well, two of Job's friends are like, you're right. I mean, you must have done something wrong because he's really mad at you. I mean, look at this. You've lost <laughs> kids and you've lost your house and your job and, and, and you're really not pretty to look at right now. Let's just be real, Job. Okay. Not cool. <laughs> But there was a young, young man that was part of their um, like priest group, that's what we'll call it, who said, now, wait a second, how dare you question God's trials for you? And Job, of course, repents and then he's blessed. But sometimes we leave that section out where Job is just done. He's just done. And sometimes in our lives, we're just done. And for me... It seems like someone shows up and says, now, wait a second. Don't you remember those blessings? Don't you remember that time that the Lord did this for you? And in those moments, it's like Heavenly Father saying, listen, I'm not giving up on you. I still trust you. I still have faith in you. You just need a little reminder that it's going to be okay. And it's okay to trust me with this. I've got it. It's going to be all right. And I love that, how he's always sending someone or sending a prompting or the Holy Ghost shows us something or all the time. You know, I get frustrated with my kids and I'm like, I'm not telling you again. I'm done. I'm not telling you one more time. You know, thank heavens. (laughs) Heavenly Father doesn't do that, right? He's not like, sorry, I've already told you twice. That's it. (laughs) It's over. Because... I'm a three per I'm a three reminder person. It seems like my messages come in threes every time. Every time. And I'm grateful for that. It's such a beautiful thing and it's a lesson I really need to learn that he doesn't give up. Even when we're ready to give up, even when we're ready to call it quits, he doesn't give up. And he doesn't walk away like you said at the beginning, we walk away. But he doesn't let us walk away. Because he still tries. He still tries to get us to say, hey, I love you. Just hold on a little bit longer. I've got this. It'll be okay. And that's what I love so much about Heavenly Father and his love for us is it's just unconditional. A hundred thousand percent, which is not a real percent, but unconditional. And that's just, and that this talk is like that reminder that He's not going to give up on us. And that if we can just just trust the process of time, it'll make sense. Just trust the process. 
Oh my gosh, that is like the most beautiful way to end this out because I just, I agree with you 100%. I really, I really know that God is with us all the time. And yes, it really is us that initiates that distance if there is any. And all it takes is for us to turn to him again. And he's there, he's standing there. And there are many references and scriptures and things about the Lord opening his arms and his arm, we always hear like the, the words like your hand is, my hand is stretched out still. And he's always inviting us to always come to him and always be there for him. Well, Whitney, thank you so much for this time. It's so amazing. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Conference Talk Podcast, where we discuss Elder Garrett Gong's address called Trust Again. And if you like us, give us a five-star rating you can find us on iTunes and Spotify and YouTube and Google and Stitcher and Amazon and Audible and TuneIn and iHeartRadio and Facebook. Yes. And everywhere you can get podcasts, you can find links on all of, to all of our platforms on our website, conferencetalk.org. You know what else is at conferencetalk.org? Everything. Go there to follow us on social media, drop us a comment, check out the show notes, find related talks, or learn more about us, your hosts. A big thanks to Melissa Fugaza for inviting me to hop on the mic today. Thank you so much, Whitney Stortz, for talking to me on this podcast. I do just so appreciate you. Oh, thank you, my friend. It's been <laughs> great. It's, I've, I've actually really enjoyed it because I was really nervous coming in. So it's been awesome. Um, we do always appreciate new followers, but it's even better to follow the prophet and the apostles themselves. That's right. We love speaking about the church and our leaders. We do not speak for them. Everything said on this podcast represents our own personal opinions, which you can tell from all the weird comments that I say. (laughs) (laughs) It just makes it interesting. (laughs) Join us next week. (laughs) Join us next week for another episode of the Conference Talk Podcast. (music) 